Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. First John chapter 3 verse 8. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Notice, Jesus is manifested for what purpose? To destroy the works of the devil. And notice how this verse starts. It says, he who sins is of the devil. And then it ends with, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So notice, sin is of the devil, and Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And so sin is a work of the devil. That's one of the things Jesus came to destroy, was sin, to destroy it from our life. Now that word destroy there means to loose any person or thing tied or fastened. That's what that word destroy there means in the original Greek language that the New Testament's written in. It says that he might destroy the works of the devil. The word destroy, to loose any person or thing tied or fastened. So Jesus came to loose any person or thing, tied, or fastened. See, sin is a spiritual entanglement. It is a spiritual bondage. That word destroy also means to loose one bound. To loose one bound. Jesus came to loose those bound of the devil. It also means to unbind or undo. See, these all, all these words have to do with being tied up, bound. See, when a person sins, they're bound spiritually. You can't see it with your physical eyes, but a person is literally tied up. And that's what causes a lot of folks, they can't seem to get free of certain things in their life. They need to be untied. They need to be undone. They need to be loosed. They need to be loosed. Jesus came to untie folks. See, we were all bound, you know. We were all bound. Had handcuffs on, ropes tied around us. And Jesus came to take all the ropes off. Praise God forever. He came to untie them. He came to loose us from all these entanglement, all these bondages. Over in Psalm chapter 18... And in verse 4, it says, The pangs of death surrounded me, and the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. Now, when you look up the word pangs, it literally can translate pains, Sorrows, cords, ropes 
bands. So let's read this from the New International Version of the Bible where it says, The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. So notice pain, which would include sickness, disease, death. Here he says, they are spiritual cords. Spiritual cords that entangle people. People that are dying from a sickness. People that are suffering with pain are entangled. They're tied up with some kind of cord. With some kind of rope or band. I mean, let's make you look at pain in a whole different light. You know, and all of a sudden you really, you feel some pain or something. You know, maybe a sore throat or something. I think, devil's trying to put a noose around my neck. Devil's trying to put a rope around me. The devil is trying to bind me. He's trying to squeeze some kind of thing around my body. See, it'll get you mad about it. So that we're not just dealing with the feeling, but we're dealing with the spiritual cause for the feeling. Psalm 116. Verse 3 says, The pains of death surrounded me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Let me read this from the New International Version. The cords of death entangled me. There's those cords again of death where it was trailing pangs or pain. Pains, the pains are sorrows, sorrows. Got to watch how much you sorrow. Got to watch how much you sorrow. You got to watch how much you grieve about things. You don't want the enemy to be binding you. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. So here he was overcome by Distressed. He was stressed. Have you ever been stressed? Well, it could be a spiritual rope was being tied around you. And that's what was causing you to feel such stress. Caused you to feel such anguish. Such pain in your life. So Jesus came to destroy. Hallelujah. He came to loose. He came to untie. He came to unbind, undo these cords of death. These cords that the devil tries to bind us with, tries to wrap us up with. Thank God you and I can be free and remain free of all bondages. You know, people, you know, think when they think about an addiction, they just think about the addiction, the thing, the thing, the thing. It's more than just a thing. It's a devil. And he's got something tied around you. I don't know. That gets me mad. You know, when you think of it that way, that it's more than than just some kind of thing that a person's wanting to drink, wanting to smoke, whatever they want to take, whatever they want to do. it's, It's something has bound them. Something has bound them. And it doesn't necessarily even have to be drugs. There are people addicted to all kinds of things. 
things that they just, they just can't let go. And we gotta watch. Has the devil bound us? Has he tied us up? Are we being held by something? I don't wanna be held by anything. Why? Because he whom the sun sets free is supposed to be free indeed. He's supposed to be completely free. So Jesus wants us to learn how to receive his work in our life so that if there's anything that is currently binding you or anything that would try to bind you, you'd be able to receive the Lord's working in your life immediately and that, that thing of the devil be immediately destroyed, immediately loosed from your life. And so we're looking at this woman over in Luke, the 13th chapter, because she received a loosing from the Lord. She got loosed. She got loosed. And there are some things to consider in the loosing of this woman who was bound for 18 years. 18 years. Sometimes, you know, when people are bound for that length of time, they've given up all hope. And it's very hard for them to be able to receive any kind of healing. It's hard for them to expect things to be different after 18 years of being in a condition like that. But this woman received. It's not just that the Lord did something. This woman received. She received. And so we want to look at her life and learn how we could make sure that we receive and remain free of all the works of the enemy. Luke chapter 13 and in verse 10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. And was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman. Being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. When he had said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. So we were looking at hindrances, hindrances to being loosed by the Lord. Why do people remain bound? Why do people get tied up and held down by things and can't seem to be free? And of course, I'm talking about Christians. What keeps them bound? And we saw that hindrance one was that many times people blame God for things that are a work of evil spirits. They blame God for things that are a work of the devil. 
they don't recognize that this is the devil's work. They think, well, God and his sovereignty, working in mysterious ways as always, you know, will put these sicknesses and put these problems on people to, to try to teach them something, you know, to learn some great lesson in life. And so people accept it. People receive it. People even pray, Lord, why? Why? Why are you doing this to me? And he's not. This is a great hindrance to receiving. I just had someone this past week claim, you know, just make a very religious, very uh, common religious statement. Well, you know, this guy isn't even a church guy. Well, you know, God won't put more on you than you can handle. And I said, yeah, but the truth is, there's a lot of stuff that people have on them that's not from God. He's not putting it on them. Well, now, you know, God won't put more on you than you can handle. In other words, and they usually say that when a person's sick or something horrible's happening in their life, right? Well, now God won't put more. In other words, God's putting that on them. God's not putting that on them. Well, isn't that in the Bible? No, it's not in the Bible. That is not Scripture. God, the Bible does say you'll not be tempted above that which you're able to handle. With the temptation, the Lord will make a way of escape. But it doesn't say anything about the Lord putting things on you. So this is a big mistake people make, and it's a great hindrance. It keeps them bound. It keeps them bound. It's a hindrance to them being loosed. And then number two, the Lord said to this religious man, whom Satan has bound, 18 years. Think of it. For 18 years. For 18 years. And we saw that God is sensitive to how long things take for us. He's sensitive to how long things take for us. How long does it take to get healed? How long does it take to receive good things from him? He's sensitive to that. Even though God is from eternity and fills eternity, you know, you would think, well, time means, what is time to God? Yet we see here, Jesus, who is the very image of God, shows us, 18 years is a long time to God for a person to be suffering. 18 days is a long time for a person to be suffering. 18 minutes is too long for a person to be suffering. 18 seconds is too long. That's why many times when people got healed under Jesus' ministry, it was immediately. Immediately. There was no delay because Jesus understood the heart of the Father and that with the Father, there's no delay. That's why the Bible says that concerning God, he is long-suffering. He is patient. If time meant nothing to God, then he wouldn't need to be long-suffering. He wouldn't suffer long. But he suffers long waiting on us. Again, many times we think we're waiting on God to heal us. We're waiting for God to deliver us. waiting for God to do this really good thing in our life. And the truth is, God's waiting on us. He's waiting on us. And it's very clear over in, hold your place there, and over in Second uh, Peter, it makes it very clear. It says in chapter 3 and in verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises or his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish. 
but that all should come to repentance. In other words, that we would get it right. That we would get things right and get in position for, to be able to receive from God. What he desires for us to have. In fact, he's letting you know right here. He desires for us to walk in his promises. To receive his promises so much that he's suffering. Waiting for us to get it. Did you just read that? We just read it. Look at it again. But is long-suffering towards us. And this is what? Concerning his promise. Verse 9 again. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some count slackness, but is long-suffering concerning his promise. He's long-suffering concerning his promise taking place in our life. See, God wanted you blessed yesterday. He wanted, you done, he wanted it done 2,000 years ago when he took all our sins and sicknesses and disease and poverty and shame and every kind of curse upon himself on the tree. He became a curse for us so that we can be free. When? Now! Right now! He doesn't want it to delay. He doesn't want it to delay. And the more we understand that, the quicker we'll be able to receive from God. God, you, you want me to have this now. I believe that. In the name of Jesus, I receive that. And he says, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. According to what you believe about God, let it be done unto you. See, so we got to get a hold of this. He's, think about it. He suffers long. He doesn't want to sit around for 18 years waiting on you. Now, he will because he's long-suffering. But he don't want to have to. He doesn't want to have to suffer any more than you want to suffer. He doesn't want to have to suffer waiting for you to walk in the blessing. Somebody say, God wants to be blessed. Right now. That's right. Right now. Now. That's why 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 6, it says, now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. Salvation. That word salvation means healing, means deliverance from every evil thing, which of course includes hell. He wants you to be born again. He wants you to be saved. He just wants you to delay in getting saved, getting born again. He does, he, he's long-suffering. He wants you saved now. But he wants you healed now. He wants you delivered now. Today. Everybody say, today's my day. Today's Praise God, today's my day. I mean, look, if today's your day to God, why don't you just rise up every day and say, today's my day. Today's my day. God ain't holding me back. God's not holding things off. Well, in God's timing, now's the acceptable time. He's waiting on us to get in faith, to get in believing, to get into receiving. So we can have what he has for us. Can you say amen? amen. So, so God is sensitive to time. Many, many don't know. Hindrance number two. Many don't know that God wants them well now. And time matters to him. And then remember he said to that religious man in verse 16. He said, think about it. Think about it. Think about this woman. Think about what she's gone through. Think, apparently, Jesus thought about it. You know, he would never ask us to do something he doesn't do. If he says, think about it, then you know what he's doing. He's thinking about it. He's thinking about it. He's thinking about it. And this is another hindrance. Many don't know how thoughtful God is. How much he thinks about them. They don't realize how much he's thinking about them. He's so conscious of us. So aware of us. So much so that the psalmist said in one, Psalm 139. I'll just repeat this psalm to you. 
Psalm 139, verse 17. He says, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the summit. Aren't you glad you just don't get lost in the, in the, in the, in the uh, creation? You know, God's made all these things. I mean, he's got squirrels. He's got chipmunks. He's got, I mean, he's got, but he's got so much going on. Not even to mention what's going on in the ocean right now. I mean, God has a lot of stuff. He's, a, he's got a lot on his plate, right? He's got a lot on his mind. Yeah, but that hasn't distracted him from you. That hasn't distracted him from thinking about you. You're the love of his life. You're the one he calls his bride. You're the one that he gave his life. He never died for a devil or, or an angel. He never died for an angel, but he died for you. Gave his life for you. So you see, you're more important to him than all the creation. Because you're what he made in his image, his likeness. You're the ones he calls his own, calls his own children. We are the children of God. I said, we're, we're the children of God, right? Angels are not his children. They're his servants, but they're not his children. The animal kingdom is not God's children. They're not his children. The bear running around out there in the woods right now, that's not God's child. But you are. You are God's child. You're not just his creation. You're his child. See, so get a hold of this. Get a hold of this. So important when it comes to receiving from God. You're his child. God loves me. I'm his son, I'm his daughter, I'm his child. He cares for me just like his own, just like his own, his own DNA. And so many, many don't know that. They don't, they don't know that. But here he says, how precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Verse 18, if I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. I am still with you. And I love Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. God's got a future for you. I don't want to miss his future for me. Well, why would we miss it? Because we don't know that he's got it. We don't know how much he's planned for us. He hasn't created us to just exist. Not a one of us. He hasn't created, well, this one's special. You know, these are some of my special people. But yeah, you know. You I just kind of allow to hang out down here. You know what I'm saying? But these are my special. It just feels like that. It feels like, no. You need to, you need to get up every morning knowing he's thinking about me. I'm on his mind. I'm always, I'm always on his mind. I am always on his mind. You're always on his mind. Wake up singing it. Wake up believing it. Willie would be very proud of you. (laughs) Willie Nelson. Praise God for Willie Nelson. Verse 12, but when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. Notice, this woman was brought to his attention. This woman was brought to his attention. Notice where she was, too. She was in the synagogue, the place of prayer, we could say. Remember, the Lord said, my house should be called a 
house of prayer. And so a synagogue, a place of worship, place where you come and meet with the Lord, it's a place of prayer. That's where this woman was. And it's through prayer that we can get God's attention. Now, you you say, well, I don't understand. You just finished saying we're always on his mind. He thinks about us all the time. Why would we have to get God's attention? Well, we looked at it last time. How God knows everything about you, yet our case needs to be brought before him in prayer. That there are certain spiritual legalities to receiving from God. There are certain spiritual legalities. You know, faith, over in Romans chapter 3 or 4, I think it's chapter 3, is called the law of faith. It's a law. It's a spiritual law. There are spiritual laws. That's why he said you have not because you, you ask not. You, you've got to come and you have to ask. Isaiah said in Isaiah 41, 21, present your case before the Lord. And then chapter 43, verse 26 of Isaiah, he says, put me in remembrance, state your case that you might be acquitted, that you might be justified, that you may be found innocent, not guilty. He says, you got to come. you got to bring your case. There are certain legalities to receiving from God. And we have to understand these spiritual laws and cooperate with them. And so, again, another hindrance to people being loosed by the Lord is that they fail to bring everything to the Lord in prayer. So true. So many times, people just kind of take God in prayer for granted. And they go through things, and it's like they, they try everything else. They try every other thing that, that might help them before they even think about hitting the knees, getting down before the Lord in prayer. They'll go to people first. That's not the best. I said, that's not the best. They go, they bring their complaint to somebody else. I'm going through this. This is what happened to me. And and depending on that person's reaction, it depend whether they're going to go to a couple more people and and tell them about it. Some people run to the medicine cabinet. Some people run to Google search. Some people go to Facebook. Some people, whatever they do these days, you know. People... People, many times, they go to all these things, and sometimes they never even really pray. They never even really pray about it. They never really take their case to God. They never really present themselves before him. That needs to be the first thing. First thing. We need to learn, just hit the knees. Oh, Lord. Hit the knees. Moses is a great example of that. You know, Moses, he brought the children of Israel out of the wilderness. And how many you know, Moses had to deal with a lot of trials and tests that people were causing in his life. And stuff would happen, and Moses would immediately fall on his face. He would immediately fall on his face and start praying and worshiping God. First thing. Plagues would break out. First thing, he'd fall on his face, worship God, start praying. Job, hell comes in. Satan comes in, attacks his house. All these terrible things happen. What does he do? This report comes to him. They tell him everything that just happened. Job, this has just happened to your house. This has just happened to your kids. This has just happened to your servants. This is what just happened to your business. And what did Job do? He fell on his face. 
His reaction was to, was to pray. And as a result of that, Job was delivered. Job was delivered and got through that trial and test. It didn't kill him. It was designed to kill him. I said it was designed to kill him. Stuff like that has killed people. But it didn't kill Job. Why? Because he went to God first. He went to God first. So we don't want to go to God second or third or fourth or fifth, you know. I mean, I have visited people in the hospital, you know, and, and uh, TVs are going, but there's no Bible. There's no Bible. In, I mean, if I was in the hospital, just, it's just me. If I was in the hospital, Bible there. Bible there. Bible in hospital. Baptist even has one there for you. Open the door. Forget about the IV. Hand me what's in the drawer right there. Get me, get me the Bible first, okay? Let's get, let's get plugged into that. Okay, they're, you know, they're plugging all this stuff into you. Just go ahead and plug that into you. Know. But God, the point is, God, God is, he's not there. He's not there. He's not, in the, he's not in the emergency room. He's not in the hospital with them. He's not in their trial with them. I mean, he, he wants to be, but they're, they're not praying. They're not praying. They're not, they're not allowing him to come in. They're causing him to suffer long. And then, verse 12, and we didn't cover this yet, Hindrance number five. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her. Now, let's just stop right there. Now, in order for her to hear Jesus and answer his call, she, she again, she needed, to, she needed to hear him. For her to answer the call, she needed to hear him. See, it's not enough for Jesus to see her and to hear her or hear us when we pray. We need to see Jesus and we need to hear him. What a lot of folks don't know about prayers, it's a two-way street. It's not just a one-way Ah, God, I just have all these needs. God, help me, 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 God, help me. Do you hear me, God? Do you see me, God? Help me, God, help me, God. It's not just enough that he sees and hears. What are you hearing? What are you seeing concerning God? See, this woman, prayer had her in the place where she got the Lord's attention. And then when the Lord moved on her behalf, she recognized it. She could see it. And you and I need to recognize when the Lord's moving in our life. We need to see and know Him. We need to recognize His moving in our life. Over in 1 John chapter 3, in verse 2, it says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall see him as he is. You know, we need to see the Lord for as he really is. See, he wants to be manifested to you this morning. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy, undo the works of the devil. See, he, he wants to be manifested. It's key to being loosed. Him being manifest to you. Him being revealed to you. See, it's not enough that somebody else knows him and tells you about it. you got to get it. 
See, you got to get it, see? You got you to see him as he really is. He's got to be that way to you. The way he really is. Not the way religion has taught it, taught it to you, taught him to you. Not the way you thought he is. No, as he really is. As the word, as the word of God reveals him. When he is revealed, we shall be like him. Those words, when he is revealed, in the original language here, means to make actual and visible, realized, to make known by teaching. See, it's not just, not just his appearing at the end. Or when we die and go and meet him face to face. No, 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 no. Now, he's talking about in this life right now, him being revealed. When he is revealed, this is what it means. If you look it up. To make known by teaching. See, he's, he's desiring to be made known to you today through teaching. Not just some kind of head knowledge. He wants you to see something with your heart. See, he wants the eyes of your spirit to be enlightened. So that you can see it. You can see it. Because that's when faith comes. That's when faith comes. That's when things really begin to happen. Don't just settle the head knowledge. Look for heart revelation. Heart knowledge. Amen. To make known by teaching, make manifest, to become known, to be plainly recognized. You know, Jesus needs to just be plain to us. Well, now God works in mysterious ways. That's not very plain. He wants to speak plainly to you. I said he wants to speak plainly to you. He wants it to be very plain and simple to you. He doesn't want it to be very mystical and mysterious. You know, he doesn't want God to be that way to you. He wants it to be just plain as can be. Just, just as plain as can be. Just, it's, it's just day and night, man. It's as clear as day and night. To make matters become known, to be plainly recognized. Thoroughly understood who and what one is. He wants to be thoroughly understood as to who and what he is. Who he is and what he does. He wants to reveal himself to us like that. He wants to be manifest to us like that. Hebrews chapter 3. And in verse 1. It says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Notice that. Consider, he's talking to us, right? Do we have any holy brethren in here? Holy brethren, right? What, what is holy? Set apart. That's what we were singing at the beginning. We're set apart. We're his property. We belong to him. Praise God. See, that's another way of saying holy. Holy brethren. Holy brethren. Partakers of the heavenly calling. That's us. He says, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Now, that word consider in the original language means to perceive with the mind. Perceive with the mind. To understand. To think upon. Ponder. To exercise the mind. Comprehend. Comprehend. Notice that. Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Comprehend the high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Comprehend him. Perceive him. Understand him. Let's grasp him. 
Literally, what he's saying here is set your mind on until you clearly see. That's what that word consider means. Set your mind until you clearly see the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. How many people do that? How many people set their mind until they clearly see? Sometimes we just, well, a lot of times we just read over things, you know. And we just, we just kind of skim, you know. And we just go through stuff. And, and we're missing a lot of stuff because we're not hitting the brakes. Wait, 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 wait. What was that? Now, let me look at that. High priest. What does that mean? High priest of our confession. What does that mean? See, we're not just to read the word. We're to study. Right? Doesn't the Bible say study to show yourself approved unto God? Study. We study the word of God, and we are looking at it until we really clearly see. Do we really see Jesus? Are we really thinking about what we're hearing this morning? I mean, how, how much are we really thinking about it? Some people think a little bit about it. They go, hey, that's good. Because <laughs> I don't know how anybody falls asleep in my services. That's, that is, I don't know. I mean, that's just kind of strange to me. I can't. I know I can't. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Think on it. Think on it until you clearly see him. See, we're talking about really seeing him with the eyes of our heart. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, And do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed. I love that word. That's the same word used uh, over in Luke's gospel when Jesus was transfigured on on that mountain with, with Peter, James, and John. What does it mean? It means to metamorphose. It means to be turned inside out. He was turned inside out, and he began, this light began to come out of him. That's what, there's light in you. We're soldiers of light. What was in Jesus is in you. We want to be transfigured. Imagine if the church was just, imagine if we could just really get transfigured today, and we walk out of here. The traffic on Snyder would stop. They'd look, there's glowing people up there. I mean, I know it's extreme, but nevertheless, all the characteristics of Christ that are in us needs to come forth and be manifested through us. That's what he means when he says, don't be conformed, not imitating this world, but be transformed, be transfigured, be turned inside out by the renewing of your mind. That's what renewing your mind in the word of God is to do to you. It's to turn you inside out. Turn you from a caterpillar into a butterfly. Cause a metamorphosis to occur. You know, like Dr. David Banner. I always think of Dr. David Banner, you know. You remember Dr. David Banner? He got too much radiation one day. And and, uh, then every time he lost his temper, a metamorphosis would would occur. And the first place you'd see it in his eyes... Right? All of a sudden his eyes would go green. <laughs> and then all of a sudden his whole face would start to transfigure, you know. And next thing you know, his clothes rip and he turns into this monster. The Hulk. 
Some of you, it's like, it's good. You don't watch it. That's good. It shouldn't be fresh on your mind, but. And then you just take the devil, I mean, all the enemies, and just take it. Just clear, just clear everything out. You devil, you've messed with me long enough. Come here. Come here. We got the greater one on the inside of us. Hallelujah. And we're just getting a little bit too much radiation this morning. We're just getting too much exposed. <laughs> we're just getting too much. Too much. No. I used to love that show when I was little. I really did. It was, it, was, it was great. I actually had an extra pair of clothes that I'd grown out of that were all cut up and ripped. And so my, my brother would mess with me, you know, he'd start punching me like this, you know, pretending, you know, in front of people, you know. And then I'd say, for God's sake, don't do it. And he'd, he'd throw me, and I'd go flying out into another room, and I'd get changed really quick, going, ah. And then I'd come running in. And I'd take him and just throw him around, man. I was about 18 years old or something like that. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Don't do it. But that's what happens. We got, we got too much. We got too much. Too much transformation going on here. Too much through the word of God. It's It's radioactive. God's word is radioactive. Praise God forever. The devil, the devil has to put all kinds of rubber gloves on before he can mess with you. All right, let's get back to this. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That word prove means to test, examine, prove, scrutinize. To recognize as genuine after examination. To approve or deem worthy. So in other words, we examine the word of God. We examine it. We study it. We test it. We scrutinize it. You should scrutinize this message. Scrutinize it. It's the word of God. Scrutinize Look it over. Think about it. Dig into it. Find other scripture to validate it. Make sure it's worthy. Make sure it is the truth. Why? So that you fully see it, you have considered it, you have set your mind on it, and you got it. See, this is a great hindrance for a lot of people uh, to them receiving. They're being loosed from the Lord. They're not seeing him as he is. They're not looking or seeking him diligently, really digging in and researching, researching and examining God. Research him. He wants you to research him and and examine him. We don't want to just lightly believe. We want to get this thing deep in us. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. That was hindrance five. I've got ten. We just hit the halfway mark. We just hit the halfway mark, and I think we're going to wrap it up there. We're going to wrap it up there today. We got some good things, though, didn't we? Good to know that God wants you loose, and we're not going to be bound by anything. Amen. Praise God for it. Why don't we stand on our feet? Let's just thank the Lord. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.